वेलकम बैक टू बुश वॉकर्स डायरी एपिसोड नंबर सिक्स आई एम हेयर कविता जोशी एंड आई हैव गॉड एलेक्स ऑल्शन विद मी अगेन टूडेक्स हाउ यू गोइंग वेल हैीन अपटली Oh jeez just um enjoying a bit of nice weather uh winter's over which is nice um been a little bit of a long winter spent some of it in Queensland which was good not quite as cold as New South Wales but yeah it's good to uh get out and enjoy some sun Great welcome back to New South Wales talk about some scenarios in the bush like if you end up walking in the dark for example if you forgot your torch or it's getting dark and your torch is running out of battery how do you deal with those scenario uh, so alex have you experienced walking in the dark much <laughs> yes <laughs> Mul- <laughs> multiple times uh, both intentionally and unintentionally i have experienced walking in the dark So what is the motivation for intentional walks in the dark? Well, uh there can be a few. Um one could be to preserve battery life. Um <laughs> when your battery's running short, but that's borderlining on the unintentional. Mm-hmm. Uh another one is to look at the night sky. Uh especially when the moon isn't out. The stars can be very bright. Uh and there may be sections of a walk where you can do quite easily uh, especially on something like a fire trail it's quite easy to walk and navigate and just to look up at the sky when it's clear is just beautiful the the problem though when the moon is an out is that it's a bit harder to see without a torch so I was about to ask about that if the moon is not out sometimes it's pitch black black dark so would you talk about vegetation in that case yeah yeah there's a bit of a uh, a bit of a different scenarios so looking at the stars the stars are clearest when there's no moon um and it, you can still see it's still a bit hard but but some areas especially if you're on you know a fire trail something like that that's open you might be able to see a little bit and over time your eyes do adjust but having some moonlight can make a really big difference uh, and when you have a full moon you can really see a lot you can actually see shadows and when you first recognize that moon shadows exist it's quite funny to see that just the amount that you can see at night with a full moon is is quite special and and a really nice experience but you do need to be in the open if you're under tree cover it's not as bright and it's a bit harder to see what's going on um but in those those scenarios where you have those sort of conditions yeah i've definitely um intentionally not used a torch um other times that you might uh not use a torch is when it's getting towards twilight sometimes people uh, you've walked during the day and then you're sort of nearly getting to the car nearly finished and you just uh, it's getting a bit darker and you don't want to bring your torch out and you might sort of walk into the night a little bit um there're just some scenarios i can think of yeah yeah i think you're right with uh, moonlight i have experienced few times and First time I was actually hiking around Mount Kosciuszko when I experienced the moonlight. In the night we actually walked a couple of hours, but it was so beautiful and I have never seen a night that clear and we could see the moon shadows. Very beautiful experience overall. 
So coming back to unintentional walking in the night, what happened? Well, yeah, a few different scenarios I've had. Um, first one that I've sort of walked without a torch or without much torchlight. I guess I was with someone, so it's a little bit different. I was going to do a walk uh, with a good friend who's quite fit, a lot fitter than me, um, called, uh, I guess it was Katoomba to Kanangra, back to Katoomba. So we called it K to K to K. Um, so it's about 45 Ks each way, um, you know, 90 Ks all up, and we were trying to do it quite fast and left in the late afternoon from Katoomba. And we started getting down, ran a section called Naranek, which was a fire trail, which was fine, got down some ladders, and then it started to get dark, and that's when we were getting ready to pull out our head torches, and it's at that point that I realized I didn't have my head torch. Oh. Um, now, you know, oops, I've forgotten it. Uh, she had a head torch, which was good. Um, I had a little torch, which was one of those little key ring ones. That's <laughs> one LED, you know, just a tiny little, I think it was a battery world one, uh, which I tried using. Um, it provided not much light at all, but I thought it was useful. Did you try thinking of you're using your phone? I didn't have, I don't know if I didn't for whatever reason. I have used my phone in other times. Um, you know, it doesn't last that long, but... I don't even think I had it or it didn't have that function. Yeah, you know, this was yeah. a number of years ago. But I tried sort of just following her quite closely, which generally works, but there's some sections that are sort of a bit rough on this walk. It's quite hard if you can't walk side by side, I found. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm reasonably good at not having to look exactly where I'm putting my feet and just working it out as you walk along. Some people sort of struggle a bit more with uneven ground. I found that it's not so bad, but this was just a bit hard and we we're trying to go quite fast as well. So we decided to change the route and stick to fire trails. And we ended up still doing 11 hours that walk. So we walked for, so we walked all through the night. And again, I didn't have a head torch. She had a head torch though, so I could sort of use her light. So that wasn't so bad. So that was sort of the first experience of unintentionally, you know, not using a, a light. Um, but I, I did a solo walk, uh, a couple of years ago to, in, in a similar area, um, to a place called Splendor Rock for a dawn service. Uh, and I'd left quite, um, late. So this dawn service is obviously at dawn. It's a number of hours to walk there. Yeah. Usually a half day walk or more. I'd got and started about 1am, um, well, I wasn't quite sure because daylight savings had sort of just happened and there were a few things that were playing up with my timing. And uh, you went to start and my head torch was flat. Bummer. Oh, shit. What do I do now? Oh, well, I know the route. I've done it a number of times before. And I just thought I'd walk it. Luckily, there was a good moon at the time. Um, and it was all right at the first because it's fire trail. So that was good. You got good light. I'm um, still nearly tripped over in a few puddles, uh, but you could you couldn't run, you know. And I was trying to make up time because I was worried I'd actually miss the dawn service. I was trying to do my calculations and thought I was going to run out of time. In the end, I was actually an hour out, and I had an extra hour, which wow. was quite funny. Um, and I realised that because dawn wasn't coming as I was expected to come. You can it's quite what one thing that's quite nice is seeing 
dawn come you know if you've never done it before walking at night head torch or no head torch and just slowly seeing things become brighter is just amazing and i was sort of expecting this as i was getting closer to you know where the dawn service was held and i went oh something's funny and yeah i was i had an extra out my sleeve but i didn't know that until the end so i was trying to rush along couldn't run didn't feel comfortable enough but could sort of see and then when i got off the fire trail and got onto the walking track which in places is a bit vague especially where trees have fallen down it was a lot harder to see because you had tree cover and even though the moon was out the direct light was being blocked which makes it quite difficult and that was a really interesting experience because although i knew you know i couldn't even pull out and look at a map um which i usually navigate from i wasn't using my phone to navigate you know i was just just navigating from experience so that was and from previous memory of yeah place. yeah yeah from from memory because i'd been there a bunch of times but it's still a I don't know, 20 kilometer walk or something like that. it's a four hour walk um and i found that i really used because i sometimes lose the track even during the day so i was a, bit, a little bit worried and i re- even remember seeing some head torches off in the distance um, of some people and uh, that was sort of funny never quite caught up to them but um, you see them off in another ridge but you know I, I, I started using my hearing a lot more um, obviously don't have the eyesight you sort of got a bit of feeling under your feet but you could really hear the difference between walking on the track which was a lot softer and quieter and as soon as you stepped off the beaten track it was crunchier because more leaves more leaves yeah exactly and you could really just hear it you just had to keep your ears out and you'd use your hands you know because you can't see the branch that's about to fling into your face um, that easily so that was a really interesting experience and it really made you try and trust your instincts so i think i spoke previously about you know navigation uh, road gaining that sort of stuff road gaining at night navigating at night this where you don't have torch um, and and you're trying to also navigate and there's a spot where I have to sort of turn off the track and I couldn't really find, I knew I was in the right area but I couldn't quite find, I wasn't sure if this was where the track turned to climb up to Splendor Rock and I just had to trust myself. I went, I'm fairly sure this is it, everything seems to sort of match up, I think this is the sort of tree mm-hmm. and you just sort of had to turn and go and that was really interesting. It'll and work. you don't have the phone to use the GPS to tell you where yeah, to turn look, off. Yeah, um, look, I wasn't using it. I had it hidden away. Um, I was sort of worried that I'd run out of battery if I started using it and if I really needed to use it. Um, I also then had to obviously get out the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that all worked out all right. And I so got during the these During these times, did you feel any stress or fear in the night, you don't know if you're in the right spot or not, things yeah, like that. It was, it really made me think and trust, try and, you know, just trust that I could use my experience to work out how to get there. Um, and yeah, a little, it did feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it was a really good experience, I think, um, because it's a way of, again, um, testing you know what you're capable of and you come out of it and go oh wow you know i didn't think i'd be able to do that that was a really interesting experience a bit challenging but i was able to do it 
and you go, oh, that's great. And it really gives you a bit of confidence for other scenarios that you may come across in future. Um, what was sort of funny is that I was quite tired after that because I'd been working big days and that's why I got there so late. Um, did the dawn service and started walking back and had a few snoozes on the way back and essentially overslept at some spot on the way back. And then it became night again and I still didn't have my head torch and I was by myself again. But because of the way the moon was, mustn't have been quite a full moon, it was quite a bright moon, it actually didn't rise when it got dark. So the, the moon only sort of rises, and this is something you sort of learn about, you know, you, when you're watching the moon and outside more, you know, when there's a full moon, the moon rises when the sun sets. So the sun goes down and you get a nice moon. When it's not full moon, the first few hours are just dark. <laughs> there is no moon. There is no light. So I had this dark period and there was no moon. So no head torch and no moon was difficult. And and um, that was quite slow trying to walk along. And you sort of just had this, you know, luckily it was sort of just just after the sun had set and there was very faint light um, to try and get down some ridges to get onto a fire trail. And once I was onto a or walking track, and once I was on the walking track, it was all right. But um, yeah, just... You're gonna walk at night. Um, probably best to have moonlight. Um, may, makes a big difference. Don't get caught out that way. I remember some of the leaders in my club I walk with. They do night walks when it's a full moon. Outfit to Bandina or the reverse direction is a very common one. And when you do that, you usually try to catch the train or public transport on the other end of the morning which I haven't been able to join them yet, but I'm keen to do that one day. And talking of moon coming, I still remember we did the Kalula walk recently and the moon came up right after midnight. That was a good experience. So thanks, Alex. And Let's talk about how do you feel when you're walking in the dark? Yeah, I, I, I think it's... Now I feel very comfortable, um, generally. I feel generally comfortable in the bush, and I think it's a really nice way to feel, and I wish everyone could feel comfortable. I know sometimes people worry about insects and snakes and those sort of things, um, which, you know, fair enough. If you, it takes time to become used to them and comfortable, and it depends where you're walking as well. Um, very lucky to... Where, where I live and where I walk, it's really not much that I think is worth worrying about. If I lived in Queensland or northern New South Wales, I'd be worried about crocodiles and buffalo and you know, big animals. If I lived overseas in America and you know, bears and you know, different places. I just think New South Wales, Blue Mountains, we're very fortunate. Uh, people, you know, although yes, there are snakes that are poisonous and whatever they're not out at night um, and they're generally not aggressive and all these sort of stuff we're pretty lucky so feeling comfortable is a great thing I think being comfortable for me came a lot through things I did in Air Force Cadets when I was younger um, we'd do a lot of exercises you know, activities exercises that involved being in the bush really immersing yourself you're hiding from people that sort of stuff when you're hiding you really getting down into the dirt, um, you know, lying in the grass and all those sort of things. And 
we used to do these activities where you'd have people you know, sort of sleeping. They go all through the night. You have it's called a harbour, but it's an area where you've got uh, camp set up. I guess big fire in the middle with the important people there and everyone around the outside, and you groups would sort of attack each other, which was sneaking up, and I'd spend a lot of time sneaking up on these groups and you obviously couldn't have any lights because you'd be seen. Um, and, and generally in military environments, if you are going to use lights at night, use red lights um, because they help protect your night vision, the way that you can see. If you have bright lights shine at you, it's very hard to see faint things. Um, so you try to use red lights, try not to look at bright lights. Um, but, you know, if you've avoided those things, you, you know, bright lights should be able to see pretty well. Um, and what you'd do here, you'd have to wait sometimes for hours, just lying there, slowly crawling up, trying to get closer to your objective. Um, and, you know, it could be some fire in the center. And it was really interesting because you could sit there and watch and see the other people sit around the fire and move and where they were. And you just had to be comfortable where you were. You'd just sit there and wait and then slowly crawl up a bit further. And this whole thing about moving around in the bush without a light um, or without using it, um, even though there might be light off in the distance or a bit of moonlight or something like that, um, I think helped me feel more comfortable. Um, and I think that's really helped with bushwalking. And it's just, it's just a great feeling. Um, so... You know, whether it's intentionally not using a light at night or having a scenario where you know battery goes flat, um, I think it really helps with those sort of scenarios as well. And uh, I really enjoyed learning how you got so comfortable with the dark uh, when you go bushwalking. But uh, at the same time, I've also heard scenarios where people's battery has run out, they don't have a torch and they walk off the cliff and have accidents. So what are your views about in that scenario? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. yeah. There's definitely been people have had accidents at night. Um, I know there was definitely an incident at Canangra, for example, big cliffs, um, bog, those sort of things. Not not just darkness, but poor visibility. And I've had experiences, not so much worried about falling off cliffs, but worried about navigational difficulties um, when visibility is poor. Yeah, nighttime applies just the same as it being foggy. I think some of it comes to knowing the location as to where you are. So, you know, some areas there just aren't cliffs and you're not doing that sort of walking where you're going to be near cliffs. So you would say that demographic and the area are very much important when you go yeah. around if yeah. you don't have a torch. I, I, I'd be quite um, hesitant to be walking at night near a cliff or anything like that without good light. I, I, I tend to get a bit nervous, probably more so these days, just during the day near cliffs or seeing people more so, not for myself, um, but watching other people uh, near cliffs. I've just seen people, and no one hurt themselves, thankfully, but people nearly hurt themselves a bunch of times or you know caught them or whatever, and it's just sort of thrown me off a bit. So yeah, I definitely feel quite cautious in those scenarios. Um, near cliff edges and, and, and where there might be problems but you know so, so I wouldn't be too keen to do that walk around it might be lovely to sit near a cliff edge or something um, and what, what can be really a good introduction is to just stop 
So do a night, do a walk at night, and just stop every now and again and turn your head torch off and just look up. And that can actually take some time. So probably the best I was doing you know, a good ex- example is I was doing a walk um, in uh, a national park a bit further north that I haven't done much walking in before, sort of near the coast. Yeah, it's quite beautiful, and we stopped for you know a break at. 10 o'clock at night, for example. No, I, I think there was a big moon. But we just stopped and had some, you know, snacks, chocolate, I think, which was lovely. And turn the torches off and your vision slowly comes back and you can just see so much at night. And it was just beautiful, you know. We're on this sort of rock platform with great views out off to the water. So the ocean at night is beautiful with a moon and it was just yeah just a stunning scene but just spending that time it was only you know, 20 minutes or so without the light just was really special yeah yeah it takes time to adjust your eyes and i'd say uh, i think they say between when the sun is setting and before the moon comes sometime that half an hour or something is very dangerous because your eyes trying to adjust from one set of light to another so usually people fall over or stuff that happens more often in that mm. time and once your eye adjusts to that it's very easy to walk around and you'll be quite surprised how much you can see even in the minimum flight around you once you get adjusted to it but not uh, advisable to people who have never attempted it maybe go walk in a safer area as alex mentioned go yeah. to fire trail or a beach area just to get a sense of how it feels when you walk in the dark mm. and definitely don't go uh, walk around with no light if you're not sure what kind of territory you are yeah so is that right alex yeah yeah like from a safety and speed of walking perspective as soon as it starts to get a bit dark put a head torch on it makes a big difference as, as i said before often people sort of and walk a bit further into the night which is nice but you'll find you often stumble and trip and that's usually what prompts someone to take out a head torch yeah you might be walking in a group oh i don't want to put my head torch on because obviously one person does it sort of everyone has to um you know unless you're all agreeing to do that that's fine but i think it's probably good to bring out a head torch and light earlier um, from a safety perspective and just the speed, you, you, you do tend to slow down a fair bit. Um, and I think we experienced that in Kalula Walk when we tried to use Lucy, yeah. which is uh, powered by solar energy, and we were trying to keep our torches away for the time being so we can use them in later days because it was a five days walk and we have limited battery with our torches. So we tried to use Lucy as much as we could so we can charge it in the day use it in the evening time or night time while walking but it was really hard when we didn't have enough light to very, have a speed very subtle light it wasn't very bright yeah, yeah and it was like slowed us down quite a bit alex i've heard you participate in rogaining a lot and probably you have mentioned in early episodes about that too which is more like a navigation practice uh what would you say about walking in the dark during a 24 hours rogaine because you have no choice if you want to keep going and accumulate more points yeah it's an interesting one uh if you want to hear more well, from people who have done a lot more rogaining than me i'd definitely interview uh tony and smithy uh some friends who 
they're great row gainers and do a whole bunch of that. But I tend to do some of the longer ones. Um, the, for row gaining, generally, the longest form is 24 hours. Uh, I also do some called nav shield, which is a little bit different, uh, more from a bushwalking and emergency services perspective, and I think that goes for 29 hours. When we've done those, we've been quite competitive. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, yes, in row gaining, you don't have to be up the whole time. You can go back to camp and sleep. That's a lot nicer. Um, but if you want to try and get as many points, and generally it pays off to try and walk all night, although you may become a bit of a zombie, and that's an interesting and completely different different thing to manage, your sleep and energy levels. But you do have to deal with the dark. And uh, it's and meanwhile, you also have to navigate. Yes. Yeah, make you, sure you, you get the points and not walking yeah, aimlessly. Yeah, correct. So, you know, before my first nav, uh, nav shield, so, you know, long um, row gaining events, I'd done some night walking, which are, you know, long night walks, which is sort of interesting. I found that timing when you started was quite important. Because obviously you can start at any time for a walk when you do it yourself. Um, I found that if you start sort of in the evening, it works quite well. Or just before dark. Because you are fresh. And so you get to walk through the night with energy. And as you start to get tired, the sun comes up. Which, as I said, is this amazing thing. the sun coming up after the dark. Um, and then you walk all the day after that and you've got energy is slowly dying, but you've got sunlight. So that really helps. Um, so on some of the longer walks I've done, you know, trying to do these hundred K walks I did with my cousins and some other times by myself. Um, I sort of found you could plan the time around the darkness with these row gaining events. You don't have that choice. And going into my first one, I was going with someone that was a really strong walker, but not much of a navigator. I was quite nervous about. Am I going to get lost? You know, get go off on a ridge because all the ridges look the same um, in this area and they're all quite flat. You know, it worked out. We walked a number of hours into the dark and we had to stop because we sort of got a bit lost. We just couldn't find the checkpoint we we're looking for, so we just stopped and that was fine. Um, and we actually had the winning team, our nemesis, walk through our camp as we were just getting up and sort of, you know poke fun of this, you know, slacking off and sleeping. That's the last time I ever sort of slept like that. Um, but, you know, after that was sort of walking all night. And because you start these events, generally for these 29-hour ones, you start at about 9 o'clock in the morning. The 24-hour ones, you start at midday. You really still got a number of hours of the daylight and then you get into the night and then it's a long time till that sun comes up again. You know, for these 20 nine-hour events, they're held uh, in winter, so there's about half day, half night, you know, by by number of hours, so there's a lot of night, and it's a bit of a mental game, really, you know, um, trying to think, if you're just thinking, like, geez, I've got, you know, 11 hours of darkness or more, <laughs> you know, you can, that's a long time. It can be demotivating. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, like, you just go, 11 hours, like, you know, or 12, you know, like, I could, that's a long walk in itself. You're walking 11 hours. Um, but I've seen some torches that Roganers use. Oh. They're pretty bright. <laughs> Feels like the sun has come up well, in the night. Yeah, that's where your torch technology really does play a big difference. The, 
I think that's a big part of it, to be honest. If you're going to do night walking, having a good torch really helps. Look, Rogaining is a little bit different from general bush walking because Rogaining, you're not just walking, you're actually looking for something off in the distance. So having a nice powerful light can make a big difference, but you know, it's less bright lights still work. Um, the thing to manage though is how often you have to change your battery and your torch overheating and those sort of things. So it's definitely worth um, having enough batteries. I think the stronger the torch, the less the longer it lasts, oh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, correct. The brighter it is, the more energy it chews, unless it's got a really fancy big battery. So um, often on a bushwalk, it's good to have a torch with multiple settings of brightness. Um, you know, you can use it quite bright when you need to search. For example, you're trying to find where the track is. And then you can drop it back to something a bit more manageable that can sort of see the area around you. Um, and, and you'll get comfortable with your head torch, but it, it can really make a, a big difference. You have a nice bright torch, you can see a lot more than something that's duller. So, you know, you're dealing in these events, you're dealing with the mental side of darkness, which can be, you know, if there's no moon as well, mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Um and just that long night, but you know, just the energy boost you get when that sun comes up is just amazing. Um, as I've said, but yeah, the the torch can make a big difference as to how you can perform. Um, and yeah, it's the same thing in bushwalking. Uh, if you're doing those walks overnight, I know people do um, things like Oxfam and that sort of stuff. I've never I've never done those sort of you know formal events, um, but I'd imagine it's the same sort of thing. You're walking through the night often and uh, having the right sort of um, head torch and light can make a big difference but it's it's really a mental game um, the way I sort of deal with darkness in those scenarios is uh, time breaking it down into time chunks generally three hours or something like that you know trying to tick those off a chunk at a time um, you can even th- you can think of it from a you mean cover some part of your map and yeah find the well there's well there's two yeah there's there are some ways so you can just think about well let's just think about the next three hours getting through the next three hours and you think of the next three hours after that and um, then get, that could go for bushwalking as well yeah too. correct correct but you can then flip it back to distances so um goals often it can feel endless when you're walking on a track without any features it may not be that long if you just don't have any markers, any features, whether it's day or night, it can just feel like it's going for a really long time. It, you might even get confused sometime that you might be lost. Yeah. Even yeah. if you're on the right track, it starts suddenly feeling like, okay, it might not be the right track I'm on. Well, that's how you know, you know, as I've spoken about before, you know, being lost or being knowing where you are sort of a scale and having the more frequent you have that confirmation of something familiar or reconfirmation that you're probably in the right place, the better. Um, it makes things more positive and you're more confident where you are. So um, what's quite can be quite useful is, you know, look at your map, work out where you're going and try and have regular markers mm-hmm. that you can, you'd be able to identify. Okay, we just need to get to that thing. Okay, and next we're going to this thing and next we're going to that. Um, it's hard when you're just following along. That's probably the worst thing. And I think it's really hard in the night because you can't see the cliffs away from you or the mountains that you can actually use as a, a mark sometime. During the day, you can actually see features a lot more. 
even far away mm. and you can get a sense of direction and sense of area you might be in. Yeah, and you can th- see things get closer. Yeah. Know, and the further away. Um, or night. the valleys yeah. or the mountains. It's a lot easier to read the features mm. far mm. away. Well, a classic one, um, you know, I remember doing another nighttime story is I, one of my first big walks was to do, it's called the Three Peaks, um, you know, bit of a adventurous walk in the Blue Mountains. We were on our uh, second night, we'd sort of walked that first day, camped at the end of Naranek, um, and walked off a lot of new stuff for us. We hadn't walked any of that area, so that was really interesting. We are just using a sketch map, um, a pretty inexperienced, great experience for us, but yeah, pretty inexperienced. And... We had to climb Mount Paralyzer, so it's about a thousand meters from the bottom to the top. And we got to the bottom right on dark, and we had to get to the top. Um, and you don't know where the top is. <laughs> um, at day, it's still hard to see where the top is, but at night, you can't see anything. And we were just sort of going, okay, let's just do it a hundred meters at a time. I think my friend had an altimeter on his watch or something fancy like that. So we just trudge, 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 just straight up. We probably didn't even walk up the right bit. It's very steep. And we just do 100 metres. Because we knew if we do that 10 times, then we'd get there eventually. <laughs> and this is 100 vertical metres. And just trudge, 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 trudge. Try and work out how many steps it would be to be 100 metres vertically. <laughs> it's a bit hard to work that out. But, um, yeah, we'd do that. And then we'd stop for 10 minutes or so. And then... I think it took us two hours or something like that. It felt forever because it was very... St- like this is 45, 45 degrees. It's quite a steam or more climb. And the funniest thing is we got to the top, roughly the top, and there's a can, a rock pile with a logbook, and you got to sign the logbook. And the plan was to get there, sign it, and keep going. And we couldn't find it. <laughs> so we're at the top, and the problem there is it's r- relatively flat. And we were just tired... And we couldn't see because it was night time and there was no moon. And we just gave up. We just went, oh, stuff this. <laughs> you know, we can't find this can. We don't know where it is. I wish we knew where it was. And we just went to bed. And it was probably a good thing. So you didn't keep going. You no, just made no, camp. we just went to bed. And um, we woke up in the morning. Oh, shit, it's just over there. You <laughs> know? And even at night, it's quite hard to tell when it's relatively flat elevation, which way's up and which way's down. If it's just gentle, it's steep, you can see it. Probably sometimes a good idea to stay put then. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot harder to navigate from those sort of features. So, you know, during the day, even though we couldn't see it at first, we could go, oh, yeah, this way's up and go find it. We couldn't quite see it at night. We're obviously a bit tired. But um, I was wearing massive army boots and I hadn't taken them off across the river because I thought they were waterproof. And they turned out they got holes in the side for breathing, so my feet got wet. <laughs> And I ended up with massive blisters. So I was just in complete pain in the morning um, and could hardly walk. So we bailed out from there, which is pretty much halfway through the walk anyway. So it's still a very long walk to get back. Um, Probably one of the longest trudges I've had. Um, But yeah, it was just sort of an interesting night and just goes to show the effects that night can have on, you know, uh, challenges like that. Yeah. That is a very interesting story you just told us, Alex. Um, Thanks for that. 
I was wondering if you can give some tips to the audience. What are the precautions they should ta- uh, take before going on a bushwalk if they think it might be a long day or a couple of days walk and uh, if they end up in the dark? Mm. Yeah, so if you're not comfortable with walking at night or much experienced or even regardless of that, uh, day walks, always carry a head torch. Um, <laughs> if you think it's going to be, unless you know, you're going for half an hour, an hour or so, even then, um, just always carry a head torch. You never know how long it's going to be. All the walks I lead, I always advise people to carry a head torch. Um, best case scenario, it stays in your pack. Worst case, you know, you get to use it. Um, so, yeah, it can be really useful. Um, these days, though, you know, phones often have torches if you have power and those sort of things. They don't last too long, but they're good as a alternative that we probably didn't have five, ten years ago. Uh, but having a head torch is much more reliable or a torch of some time. Having a head torch is a lot better than a hand torch um, just because it's on your head. Just the way the light works, you can see things a lot better and it uh, means that your hands are free. Um, another thing to go with that is have spare batteries. So uh, more batteries than what you need. If you're just going for a day walk or something like that, you probably you know, batteries, good batteries in your tor- torch and a set another set. I'm ready to go. Um, you know, it depends how often you change your batteries over, but they can go flat. Some torches you can see how good the charge is. Um, some you can't, um, but it's useful to check that. What can happen though is that your torch can accidentally get bumped on, and it can, you know, pumped on your pack and it just goes flat. Um, some preventative things are often you turn a battery around inside the torch. That can be good. Um, can be a bit annoying because then when you want to use your head torch, you don't have a light and <laughs> you have to muck around with it. So a good thing there is, um, and what people often do, for example, we have a thing called happy hour in the club where you sit around before, you know, dusk or sort of thing. I think that's more for, uh, more than a day walk. Yeah. Yeah. Overnight, overnight walk. So on overnight walks, I guess, um, you know, you've got, you'll get your head torch out before you sit down to do that and that means that you'll sit down you dusk will be over it gets dark and then you've got it ready to go and it's sort of useful to do those sort of things um it might even be worth having a small backup torch somewhere um so whether you're using your phone or just a smaller light um just in case something happens to your main head torch and that's more so i guess on longer walks so overnight um but you know always have enough batteries for what you think you need so if you go an extended walk you probably need at least a change of batteries and maybe a second one and i sort of recommend having enough batteries for what you think you need plus some more because something can always go wrong um someone else might need batteries uh and you know it, it's it really helps having a torch when you need it because as much as walking in the dark can be an experience if you have an accident or something like that it'll be terrible if you lose a track you know you're in trouble all those sort of things. Um, even just trying to set up camp can be very difficult without a torch. Um, so, you know, always good to have that ready to go. That's that's right. And also walking in the dark comes with experience. And the more you get comfortable with the dark and have a good navigation practice, it helps 
instead of just going ahead and having no preparation and having no torch when you need it. Always uh, I carry a torch in my bag. doesn't matter if I'm going for a day walk, half day walk or a couple of days walk because anything can happen. As Alex mentioned, there are a lot of unpredictable scenarios in the bush that can happen. It can start raining very heavily. You might take shelter. So in a day walk, you might not get out till late in the day. And uh, in that case, it could be getting dark by the time you're t- uh, towards the end. Scenarios like that, or you might lose somebody in the team and you're try- taking time to look uh, for them. Things like that can happen. So always be ready with a torch. There's a lot of technology these days. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get a good torch. The other day I went to Bunnings, I spent $30 and I got a torch with 350 lumens including batteries so that's not very expensive for safety when it comes to that so i would suggest have a torch have a backup there are a lot of solar energy uh, options as well mm, that you can, can actually correct. charge including lucy cost you like eight to ten bucks which is not a lot but as a backup or as an emergency it's a very light solution you can always just check in your bag and have two options as a backup. People rely on their torch a lot, I realize, which I would suggest do it as a last option possible because you might need your torch to call help or you might need it for other reasons. And uh, yeah, Phone torch, yeah? Phone torch, yeah. yes. So I feel like a lot of people actually rely on that as a main source of light in the dark. And also having it in your hand, you might drop it you lose your phone which is might be the only mm. option to uh, contact help and stuff so you got to be careful about that and as alex explained with his cadet experience he has a lot of experience with dark and a lot of experienced bushwalker have that experience that they get comfortable with the dark and they know what to do they are very good at navigation doesn't matter how much light they have so things like that keep that in mind and hopefully you get out there in the bush and enjoy the bush with light and with some moonlight hopefully someday and uh, have a good day thanks alex for uh, joining us in the podcast today really ha- enjoy listening to your stories always thanks kavita it's good to chat see ya